0: The voice of my beloved, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you may be seated. My father was a marine pilot, and when I was a young child, he deployed on tour to Vietnam three separate times for a total of 20 months. He was, that's a pretty long time for a, a young girl, even if it was split up into three separate times. Back then, there were no Zoom or, or Facebook or, or FaceTime capabilities. Um, the way that we connected with my father was through the cassette tape. And of course, we were at the mercy of snail mail, which meant that those cassette tapes were pretty precious. I remember my mom one time getting one in the mail and gathering us around the cassette player. What I remember most, what stands out to me, is the anticipation of hearing my father. Imagine that you're a six-year-old child, haven't seen your or heard your father in seven or so months, and your mother takes the cassette, puts it into the cassette player, and presses play. It wasn't so much the content as it was his voice. His voice comforted me. It reassured me that we were really okay, we were going to be okay. And for those few minutes that I heard him talking, I could close my eyes. And I could pretend he was there with us. I felt the love of my father through his voice. It warmed my heart. But that's what love does, doesn't it? It warms our heart. Love is an influence, a huge influence over us. It changes us. In our specific text of the Song of Solomon, the voice of the beloved stands gazing, looking from behind the wall, gazing in the window through the lattice, and he speaks these words of love. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Last week, Dean Kidd said to us so succinctly, he told us that the love of the bridegroom for the bride, and this is represented by the love of Yahweh for Israel, his children, and that Christians look beyond the love of a, a man and a woman, and they see the love of Christ for his church. He said, Jesus, the bridegroom of his church, the lover Of our souls. Arise, my fair one, and come away. Notice the dance. The voice of love is not love without a recipient. My husband and I have been married for 37 years, and if you ask him how we met, he'll tell you that he saw me across the room and he knew he was gonna marry me right away. He said he had radar lock on me. And he pulled out all the punches through our courtship. His love had a target. God's love has a target. And we can see that in our James text today. I love the way the lectionary connects our passages. In James, this voice of love performs a generous act of giving, of the perfect gift, a birth to us, The word birth connotes a womanly image. Mothers give birth. Everything about birth speaks of connection and relation. A baby in womb is completely connected to its mother. The umbilical cord, the amniotic fluid encased by her flesh. The two senses that are most involved in bonding and attachment are hearing and smelling. Some studies have found that babies that are in utero recognize the sound of their mother's voice and they get excited when they hear. Other studies have found that babies recognize their mother's native language and they have a preference for that language over other languages. This word birth, used in the New Testament, is used only in James, this particular word, and it's used twice to contrast two things. Right before our text, James talks about the desires of the human heart. We hear him saying that that humans are tempted by their own desires, and that when those desires are nurtured, they, they conceive and give birth to sin and ultimately death. So that's not a gift from God, right? That's right out of our own hearts. With On our own, without God, we conceive and give birth to sin and death. Our text contrasts this by saying God gives us a birth by the word of truth, not by the human heart. Every morning in my my daily office, I add in, blessed be the Lord God and our, our Father by his great mercy. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. The word of truth, Jesus Christ, is the agent performing this birth for us. This new birth of life, this new creation whom we are, Can we imagine this morning the word of truth as a womb, a kind of motherly figure? Now I know that's not how we normally think of him, but in fact that is the image portrayed. The mother figure in this is the word of truth. He gave birth to us by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits. God has a purpose for this new birth in us. For those of us who are parents, when you gave gave birth and when you raised your children and were with your children, did you not have hopes and dreams that they would become the, the people that God meant for them to be? So God's purpose for us is to be a first fruit. So what does that mean, first fruit? Well, the Israelites believed that the first of the seasonal produce was intrinsically holy and a possession of God, and they would take, in, in recognition that Yahweh owned the land and the produce, everything that can, he owns everything, they would take that crop and they would transfer it to God before the rest could be consumed. Without that transfer, there could be no blessing on the rest of the crop. Without that transfer, there could be no blessing on the rest of the crop. Do you hear the connection, the relationship between the first fruits and the rest of the crop? We are given birth to be a kind of first fruit, a holy possession of God for the blessing of the rest of the crop. We're, we're given this to be a blessing. The church is to be a blessing. We each of our members are to be a blessing. God told Abraham, he said, I'm gonna bless the nations through your seed. We are that seed in Jesus Christ. We are to ger- carry that voice of love. We're the cassette tape. Right? The world is full of people who maybe haven't heard the voice of their father in days, weeks, months, maybe years. Maybe never have they heard the father's voice. So James continues on to give us a way to be that voice of love that cassette tape. He says, you must understand this, my beloved, that everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. He's saying, hey, here's something that's important for you to know to live into this new birth, this existence. Be quick to listen to God's voice of revelation. Let's think about that. God if he didn't reveal himself, if he didn't come down to us, there's no way we could know him, no way we could ascend to him. He, uh, through his voice, we, we know him. His voice is precious. He says, be quick to listen. Also, always listen in faith. Trusting his voice to change your heart. Remember, love influences our hearts. And, here we go, be slow to express yourself. Slow to act out of impulse or excess of your will as opposed to God's will. Because our insistence on our own way does not produce God's right way. James continues, therefore, because of all this, Rid yourself of all swordness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome the meekness that welcome with meekness the implanted word of God that has the power to save your souls. There's a rejection and a welcoming, right? Let's start with the rejection. Rid yourself of all swordness and rank growth of wickedness. There's something very important about the syntax in that sentence that we have to understand to know what James is saying. The verb rid isn't a present active verb. It's an aorist tense, and it's, it indicates an action of the past, and it always conveys a single direct action. Now let's think about that. Can we change our hearts? Do we actually have the capacity to get rid of the wickedness that is within our human heart? Jesus, in our gospel text today, says that the human heart is the seed of all evil. He says it's what comes out of a person that defiles, right? It's from within the human heart that all evil intentions come. The only way to rid ourselves, is to welcome. Welcome, with this, welcome that single direct action that happened in the past, the cross. Welcome that implanted word, because it alone has the power to rid us of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. What separates the believer from sin is not prohibition. It is God's saving power and he does save. James tells us to be hus- to hospitably receive with meekness, humbleness, can we say softness? Receiving the implanted word. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. In that, the, the, the voice of the beloved is coming and he's bringing spring and he's saying, come out of the winter. Come out and come into my spring of life. God's word, his inward, his inward thought implanted in, the, in our hearts, deep within. I think I'll, of the scripture that says, I'll put my laws in their mind, and I'll write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. An implant is planted to take root and God's Word has the power to take those roots and go deep into our hearts and and root out all the sword wickedness that's within. It's strong enough, it's capable enough to save us, to keep us from death, to preserve us, to bring us safe and sound through difficult circumstances to preserve our inner being. God's word, his voice of love, influences our hearts. It has the power to change us. But not just for ourselves, right? No, it's meant for us to bless others. His love is, it it changes us not just so we can be happy and better people, although that's a byproduct, It is to fulfill his purpose, for us to be people who bless others. And I just want to take this time to say kudos to the Cathedral family. I've been here a month, and this this congregation is amazing. Last week, there was a whole group of, of people who came around one of our parishioners who really needed help and continues to need help and because they're intertwined in in their lives together loving and caring for each other this parishioner is being taken care of by her church family and it made my heart warm to be able to watch that and be a part of that one last story so, when my husband and I, early on in our marriage, we got a house and we needed to, to fill or furnish our, um, our living room. So, I went out and I bought two big overstuffed, um, lazy boy, swivel, rock, and black chairs, two. Only two. I did that on purpose. My heart wasn't big enough. For, uh, for other people. I didn't want people to come into my house. I, they, people actually depleted my, my resource. I'm ashamed to say, but it's the truth. I used people for my own productive part of life, for my own career. I'm sorry to say it, but that's what my heart was. Fast forward to today. It's a vastly different terrain but not because I changed my heart. The change came as I came to the table and listened to the cassette of my father's voice. His love changed me, opened up my heart greater and greater so that I could come out of my own self and love others. I wanna end by a, 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 a paragraph from Bernard of Clairvaux's Love of the Bridegroom and Bride. Um, Dean Kidd started it and I just, there's a few extra sentences I wanted to, to add to it. Rightly then, does she give up all other feelings and give herself wholly to love alone? In giving love back, all she can do is respond to love. And when she has poured out her whole being in love, what is that in comparison with the unceasing torrent of that original source? Clearly, lover and love, soul and word, bride and bridegroom, creature and creator do not flow with the same volume. One might as well equate a thirsty man with the fountain. Let us give ourselves wholly over to the voice of his love so that we can be made a blessing to each other and to our neighbors, caring for the widows and the orphans and the refugees all for the glory of God. Amen.